There's one good thing about getting over a little bit of a sickness is that it makes my voice sound way more manly. <laughs> I usually, uh, I don't have a girly voice, but definitely not the most manly voice in the world. So it doesn't make me feel good. I boost my self-esteem when I'm sick a little bit. Okay. You guys ready for me to absolutely blow your minds this morning? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do something pretty incredible, okay? Hello? Hey, Levi, good morning. Good morning, Josiah. How are you? Good. Will you say uh, good morning to North Camp Bible Church? Good morning, North Camp. Everybody say good morning back. Okay, so uh, what, how, how is Arizona? What's the weather like this morning? Oh, it's great. It's actually about 80 degrees and overcast right now, which is very unusual. That is unusual. What's the, uh, yeah. what's the hottest day you've had so far since you've been in Arizona? Oh, 116. <laughs> oh, mild summer, right? Okay, so this morning I've got a couple questions for you. Okay. Some trivia questions, okay? Uh oh. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, do you know when the telephone was first invented? Oh, gosh. Well, why don't you ask me who invented the telephone? <laughs> okay, well, I'll ask you that too. Who invented the telephone? <laughs> Uh, Alexander Graham Bell. Wrong. <laughs> but he did you find the U.S. U.S. patent for his device that had better sound quality and was easier to produce. So he did mass produce the phone, but he actually didn't invent it. G- give me a guess on the year and when you think the phone was invented, or even when Alexander Graham Bell patented his device. Okay. I'm going to go with 1885. Ooh, that's close. Okay, so Alexander Graham Bell uh, patented his device in 1876. So you're pretty close, less than 10 years off. The original phone, though, was an Italian inventor in 1849. Okay. So, yeah, a little earlier, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so here's the next question. Keep in mind that the U.S. patent was in 1876. When was the first telephone commercially available in the United States? See, this got to be a trick question. I bet it's before 1870. <laughs> I'm going to go with 1870. No, it's actually after. It's logical. Okay. 1878. Uh, so New Haven, Connecticut had the first telephone exchange where, like, the, the first switchboard operators and everything was set up. So that was the first time that the phone was available commercially in the U.S., Okay, last question here for you this morning. Let's see if you can redeem yourself. Uh, when do you think the first transatlantic phone call took place between the U.S. Oh. and Britain? I'm going to go with 1905. Ooh, 1927. Uh, so far off. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, I mean, you're in the 1900s, right? Century, at least. <laughs> yep. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess you had two centuries really to pick from, so. (laughs) Well, Levi, 
Uh, I appreciate you playing a little trivia with, with us this morning. Sure. Um, and I appreciate you taking our call while you're uh, getting ready for church. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Everybody say goodbye to Levi. <laughs> so, I told you I was going to blow your mind this morning, and I did, right? I, with almost no effort, just had a conversation with my friend who lives 2,000 miles away. And it happened in real time, and I heard Levi's voice, not like another kind of voice, but his intonation, his tonality. I heard his voice. It's a big deal. Up until 1800s, the furthest range you could have an intelligible conversation was 600 feet, which if I'm doing my math right, is about 2,000 less miles than the conversation I just had with Levi. Kind of crazy, isn't it? I think it's pretty amazing. So, the telephone was first invented, obviously, in the 1800s, and it was a big deal when it came out. Obviously, you guys don't think so now. There was a demonstration, though, in 1876, um, and a New York Times reporter was there for the demonstration, and this is what he thought about the telephone, okay? Just an interesting, like, first time looking at a telephone, this is what the, the person thought. A telephone placed in the building where such sounds are are in the process of production will convey them over the telegraph wires to the remotest corners of the earth. By means of this remarkable instrument, he thought it was interesting and remarkable, a man can have his Italian opera, the Federal Congress, and his favorite preacher laid on in his own home. Look at that. The universal use of the telephone will, of course be viewed with disapprobation by the sound-producing part of the community. Just as the introduction of labor-saving machines was met with the hostility of the laboring class, no man who can sit in his own study with his telephone by his side and thus listen to the performance of an opera at the academy will care to go to 14th Street and spend the entire evening in a hot and crowded building. In like manner, many persons will prefer to hear lectures and sermons in the comfort and privacy of their own rooms, rather than to go to church or the lecture room. Thus the telephone, by bringing music and ministers into every home, will empty the concert halls and the churches. And the time may come when a future Von Below, playing a solitary piano in his private room, and the future Talmadge, preaching in his private gymnasium, may be heard in every well-furnished house of the American continent. (laughs) Kind of interesting, right? Little did you guys know that you can come here every week and hear your favorite preacher. (laughs) You don't even need a telephone. Seriously, though, I'm glad that you guys are here this morning. I'd much rather talk to you in person than over the internet, although I'm glad that we can do that too. Seriously, though, this this technology was crazy, right? To to transport voices over long distances. And he thought that it was going to ruin America. In fact, he went on to say that he thinks it was some kind of, like, conspiracy theory. He, like, that Europe was, like, planting phones in our houses so that we wouldn't, like, go and do anything anymore. And we just get lazy and they would... Anyway, 
Not that technology has made us lazy or anything. But it's proof that the churches aren't empty. Look around at you. Anyway, he's wrong. He's wrong. But pretty much everyone today has a phone or has access to the phone. According to Statista.com, 96% of the population in the world is covered by basic cellular data at the very least. That means almost everyone in the world can talk to everyone else in the world at the push of a couple buttons. That's pretty incredible, right? Like, like think about that. There are 7 billion people and 96% of them could talk to each other if they wanted to. But even with our great technology and the coverage of the cell towers that we've installed all around the world, there are still a lot of areas where there's no cell service. Places you go where you can't call anyone. There are even places driving around here where if you're in the right spot, you lose connection to the outside world, right? It just goes down. But there has been one form of communication that has never failed. It doesn't lose quality when you drive into a valley. It doesn't rely on cell towers or wires. And it's been around since the beginning of time. It's prayer. Prayer, the ultimate form of instant communication, has been here the entire time. And although you can't talk to your friend in Arizona with prayer, you can, cre- you can talk to the creator of the universe, <laughs> which is pretty cool. From any location in the universe at literally any time. Think about that for a second. We have a method of communicating directly with the creator of the universe. Without the use of a phone or a battery or cell towers or any wires or any other technology, you don't even have to move your mouth. You can just think and God can hear you. Pretty crazy. Think about that. Absolutely insane. My next question is, how many prayers have you said in your life? You probably pray to every meal, maybe when you wake up and when you go to bed. You pray a lot, probably. And so it's probably just become normal, right? You don't think about it. It's so routine in our lives that we forget about how amazing it really is that we can pray. Think about being able to make a phone call to anywhere in the world. That seems pretty cool. But just think about being able to talk to the creator of the universe at any time. That's way cooler. So this week, we are starting a series on prayer. And we're going to study it and look at its functions. And we're going to learn how to pray and we're going to even practice prayer. So this week, hopefully, over the course of the series, not just this week, we're going to gain a new appreciation for the God-given form of communication that we know is prayer. And this week in particular, we are looking at the functions of prayer and trying to understand the reasons why we pray. So, we're going to be looking at a lot of different passages, and you can turn there. I'm going to have the references and verses up on the screen just because we're going to be looking at a lot of them. So I just want to warn you ahead of time. But before we hop into verses, let's understand what prayer is in the first place, where it comes from, what is the Greek word? Well, the Greek word is prosuche. Prosuche in Greek. And prosuche is a compound word of the prefix pros. And the verb uche. And pros is a prefix that means close. 
It means to be towards something, facing towards something. It's a, a kind of this face-to-face interaction, something that is intimate and fully engaging. Like from here, I'm not fully engaged, but like from here, like this is a lot, like it feels a lot different, right? When I'm like right here talking instead of like all the way up there, right? Different, right? Pros, towards. All right. And then uche. Uche is uh, the verb that just means to uh, put up a petition or a vow or a wish. And so this word prayer is to engage in an intimate face-to-face encounter with the creator of the universe. To be with him right here. And to bring your problems and your desires to him. To pray is to be intimate. To share your heart with God. So don't think about prayer like this phone call I had with Levi where it's just a a simple transmission of the voice. Think of it more like a FaceTime call. Right? Where it's, you get to see the other person on the other side. You get to see their facial expression and their body language. You get to see their messy hair because you woke them up on the FaceTime. They weren't ready. And you get to see the messy corner in the background. That's what it's like. That's what prayer is like. Prayer is like sitting in the presence of God. So let's look at some verses this morning. And let's try to figure out the functions of prayer. What, what uses does it have? What is it for? First of all, First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 4, 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert and keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So notice that in all three of these verses, there's one common thing that's shared. That is thankfulness. Thankfulness. The first function of prayer is the practice of thankfulness. So how many of you have ever felt gratitude before? How many of you ever... I'm sorry for all of you who haven't. That's a great feeling. Gratitude is awesome. When maybe you've just been outside in nature and you're like, wow. Look at what God created. Maybe a prayer has been answered and you feel a great sense of gratitude for that. Or maybe it seems like there's just an abundance of goodness pouring down from God in your life. In those moments, it is your opportunity to use the vehicle of prayer, to use this form of communication to give thanks to God. After all, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our Heavenly Father, the Father of lights. That's what James tells us. And when there are good things going on in our lives, no matter how big or small, it's important for us to give that thanks and gratitude back to God because it all comes from Him in the first place. I think this is a vital part of prayer that often gets overlooked. We, we think about prayer as a means maybe to fix our problems or to get what we want. And that isn't wrong because that is a part of it. We'll get there in a second, but Prayer is also so much more than that. It is a way to thank God and to give him 
praise. Which is the second function of prayer, is to bring worship to God. Now, worship is a broad category, and not all worship comes from prayer. Obviously, there are other ways to worship. But worship is bringing glory to God. So I think if we pray and we bring God glory, it is a form of worship. Look what Jesus says here in John chapter 14. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So he's talking about prayer here, praying in Jesus' name. When we ask God to do things in our lives, when we give thanks for the things he has already done, we are giving God the credit. He is getting the glory. You see how this works, right? So when we give thanks to God in our prayer, we are glorifying him for what he has done. We are worshiping him. And when we ask him to do something, specifically do this, this, or this, and he does it, he gets the credit for it. It once again brings him glory. It is a form of worship. It also tells everybody around us when we give thanks. It reminds everybody, and it reminds us on a personal level, that God is powerful enough. He actually cares enough to do something about what we pray about. And that brings glory to God, too. That is a form of worship, because he's worthy of that thanks. So, moving on. We can't talk about prayer unless we also talk about requests, right? So the most common reason people pray is because they are in need and know that God is there to listen to those needs. So here are just a few verses that talk about God's ability to answer our prayers and encourages us also to bring them to him. First one being Hebrews 4.16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence, confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I really like Hebrews 4.16 because it really emphasizes the intimacy and the awe that prayer should bring to our minds when we do it. When we pray, when you pray, imagine, close your eyes for a second. Imagine yourself standing before the throne of God. Imagine Jesus at his right hand. Imagine the angels surrounding you in his, in his robe, filling the temple in his glory and the spirit. Just imagine that. Okay, you can open your eyes. That's what happens when you pray. You approach the throne of grace in confidence because of Jesus and his sacrifice. We can approach the throne for help. And there's nothing wrong with needing help. In fact, God is called our helper many times in the Old Testament because the point is we are insufficient humans. We lack power and knowledge and resources, but God is not bound by those problems, and he wants to help us. Next is uh, 1 John 5, 14 through 15. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. 
So there is an important caveat to this passage that many people seem to miss for some reason, is that we need to pray in accordance with God's will. As Jesus did in Luke twenty-two forty-two, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. Right? So Jesus is praying even to put his will aside and say, God, I want whatever happens here to glorify you, to be in line with you. So it's important that when we are asking God for something, that we're seeking his will in that asking. We shouldn't use our prayer, our power of prayer, to fulfill selfish desires, right? That's not going to how it's going to work. That's not what God set it up for. Lastly, look at Psalm 18.6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and I cried to my God for help. He heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry for help before him came into his ears. He heard it. And we can bring our request to God too. In fact, he wants us to. And the last function of prayer that I think we also commonly overlook is confession. So here are a couple of verses that point to our use of prayer and confession of our sins. Psalm 32.5 Then I acknowledge my sin to you, And did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. If we confess, this is 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. A part of being in right standing with God is repentance of our sin against him. Is as As David says, acknowledging the ways we've rebelled and turned away from God. And how else do we communicate those regrets? How else do we repent except through prayer? How else do we talk to God? We communicate our sins and confess to God through prayer. And considering all these different functions of prayer, it is easy for us to see how prayer is an essential part of a spiritually vibrant life. Without it, you cannot grow spiritually. So here are a few things. I want you to take with you this morning. Let's, let's help cement everything that we just had in our head. So when you think of prayer, think of twerking, okay? Not like the dancing of the rowdy teenagers, all right? Twerking as in T-W-R-C as an acronym. Thanksgiving, worshiping, requesting, and confessing. Now you're not going to forget it, right? Nana, you're shaking your head. You're like, why did you say that, Josiah? You're never going to forget it. That's why. When you think of prayer, think of twerking. You're never going to forget it. It's easy for us to focus maybe on just one area of prayer, right? Usually that ends up just being the requests. But there are other parts of functions of prayer that are important. We do it every week, praise and prayer time, right? So when you're praying, don't forget to give thanks. Don't forget to worship. Give God glory. Don't forget to ask what you may need. And don't forget... To confess your sins so that you can be in right standing with God, so that you can clear the air between you and God, so you can be at peace with Him. Number two, I think it's important for us to realize that prayer builds relationship, right? It might seem pretty obvious when you think about it, but you can't build a relationship with someone you don't talk to, right? You actually have to talk to God. It'd be like trying to read a personality report on your spouse and building a relationship with them. Right? But you're never actually talking to them. 
Sure, you may know a lot of details about their life and what their Enneagram number is and what wing they have and their favorite food, but you're not sharing anything with them. And they're not sharing anything with you. You're not spending any time together. They wouldn't know who you are. And you wouldn't really know them either. So it's important that we spend time in prayer if we actually want to grow in relationship with God. If you feel like you've been stagnant in your relationship with God, you feel like you haven't grown spiritually in a while, maybe it's because you've neglected prayer in your life. Which, um, this leads to our last point. Be vulnerable with God. The entire meaning behind the word prayer as we looked at it is about this face-to-face intimacy, right? It's about this connection. And I've talked to a lot of people, I've prayed a lot of prayers in my life that are just kind of rote, right? They're just routine. They just are the same words over and over again. Please bless this food and nourish my body, blah, 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 blah. You know, and it's just like becomes background noise, right? You're just doing it because it's what you do. But prayer shouldn't be that way. It should be a time of actual thanksgiving and vulnerability. And it's, it's good to pray on a routine basis. I'm not saying it's bad to have a routine prayer. But when you pray, it should be genuine. It should be vulnerable. It'd be like if the only conversation you had with your best friend was, how was your day? And you just asked them the surface level stuff, but you never really got to the deep parts of your life. It's okay to share what's on your heart with God. Let me tell you, as we learned last week, there's nothing invisible to God. He already knows it. Share it with him. That means sharing your highs and your lows, your joys, your concerns, and everything else. It is a total openness of heart to God. And that's what he's looking for in prayer. So, we have an amazing form of communication available to us. It never drops a signal. You know, it's never a bad time to call. Right? There's no, God doesn't sleep. Right? That's the problem with Elijah and the, the other worshipers. They, they thought maybe their God was asleep or on vacation or using the bathroom. Right? Our God's not that way. He's always there to talk. Always available. Let's not waste that. Let's not waste that gift. We need to utilize this essential spiritual discipline in our lives so that we can continue to grow. So I'm excited for us to continue talking about prayer over the next few weeks. And I really hope you come back in person to listen to this and not over the telephone. (laughs) Although you can do that too if you have to. Let's pray. God, we're talking to you right now. And that's pretty cool. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you for fulfilling our needs and even our desires and giving us good things and blessing us. And I just pray that we don't neglect our ability to talk to you. Thank you for this gift, and it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.